your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast interview, episode number 53. This week, we have from the Detroit area, uh, his name is Tim Coppler. And Tim is the Director of Culture and Organization Development with Humor Synergistics. He also founded CultureUniversity.com, which features insights from top culture experts. He led major performance and culture transformations regionally and globally as an automotive supplier executive, so he has loads of practical experience. He now collaborates with many culture experts and focuses on driving meaningful change in the world through culture awareness, education and action. We talk mainly about his experience and, well, the experience that he has and shares with us when it comes to organizational culture and organizational cultural differences, etc. It's a really interesting um, interview, so make sure you listen all the way to the end as well. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing just great, Chris. All right, excellent, Tim. If you um, can tell us a little bit about yourself, just before hitting record, you said it's been it's been quite a, a journey as well. So I'm really interested in what your journey was. So, but first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Where are you now? And what would be your what is your cultural frame of reference? Okay, well, I'm uh, in Plymouth, Michigan, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, I've been on about a 20-year journey when it comes to this subject of culture, yeah. uh, but it it came from being a, a top leader in organizations where I was trying to figure things out and had some success, went through a number of roles, and it led to uh, leading a uh, culture consulting and assessment company mm-hmm. um, called Denison Consulting. Then I launched cultureuniversity.com mm-hmm. with some of the top workplace culture experts in the world. And now I'm with Human Synergistics mm-hmm. as their uh, Director of Culture and Organization Development. Mm-hmm. So um, we're building a network of some of the top workplace culture experts and working to make a real impact in the world. Okay. So why culture? What's Why not um, HR or business efficiency or something like that? Well, I, I came at culture from an interesting angle. I mean, there's lots of educators and consultants out there, but... I was a, a top leader in an organization that I was with for 17 years, and I started as a student, and I came to find out as a top leader that the culture was everything, and getting the team on the same page, motivated and excited about where we were going, it led to great results. Mm-hmm. So I had that experience and wanted to learn more, and now want to help others on that journey. Okay, and, and just what has been your experience with that so far? Well, my main experience is that most of what's out there when it comes to this subject of culture is is garbage or it's it's dramatically oversimplified from what I personally experienced. Yeah. You know, it's not about these tips and keys. I mean, it is a tough subject and it requires really understanding the fundamentals and how to go about it. And and why why is it that people ask for these these tips and these do's and don'ts? I mean, I get this. I share the same experience. So I'm just trying to pick your brain on the on the same subject, I guess. 
Well, it's culturally driven, right? It's our, our management culture in society, especially in the U.S. Uh-huh. It's we want things faster, quicker, cheaper, right? So to, to hear that, no, this is something you're going to learn through shared learning and mutual experience, you know, apply the fundamentals. It's going to take years to really understand mm-hmm. is, is not the answer people want. So what, what do you do about this then? Well, I, I think it's, it's not about changing people's perspective on this and it's, it's, it's about them, right? I think us pe- people who really understand this subject need to band together and we need to align our perspective so there isn't all this, uh, you know, vast differences of opinion when it comes to this subject and we start to align on, on what really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And then I think naturally our management culture and people's perspective on this will begin to change. But okay, can I be devil's advocate here? Sure. I mean, like I said, prior pre-recording as well, we are uh, from the same choir, I guess, and we're we're trying to preach to the non-believers to some extent. How do you how do you do this? How do you get people to understand that this is a good topic? It's it's the same analogy in a way. How do you get people to understand that smoking is just not good for you? And just give it up. So how do you how do you convince people that this is something they should pay attention to because it's for the better of themselves, their organization, their environment, the outcome, everything? Well, in most cases, you don't use the word culture, mm. right? Because it's become a word with no meaning, or everyone's coming at it from their own perspective. So when you talk about things like people's biggest frustrations and in, in getting their team to work together, and and what's their greatest dream when it comes to really reaching their full potential Mm -hmm. as a leader, um, as their organization reaching their full potential, you know, what are the the challenges that surface? And through discussion about those challenges, you can share really what are culture fundamentals Mm -hmm. about what it really takes to get an organization on the same page and really humming. Mm -hmm. And that most of what people understand about this culture is really off base. And uh, Can you give an example? Well, most people will think that you can focus on changing culture directly and really you, you focus on a problem, challenge, or goal and how culture is impacting it. And you actually have to see results before the culture changes, right? People, leaders will say, hey, I don't have time to work on culture. It takes too long. Well, the reality is you don't have time not to work on culture because you have to see results first before people will come on board and really start to change their behavior in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's what's a method to do that? Well, a method to do that is to remember that the culture is built through shared learning and mutual experience. So you you have to decide on a first phase, a first problem, challenge, or goal. And I always tell leaders to pick their number one problem or challenge. You're going to be working on that anyway. Why not adjust what you're already doing to have a better impact based on an understanding of your culture? And what would be Tell us a story, if you can, or about the, the the toughest client you had, not when you were working with them, but to convince that this is a topic they should pay attention to. Well, the the, the toughest experience I had was actually as a top leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned I was with that one organization 17 years. Well, I went to another one as president, yeah. and it was completely out of control. You know, horrible quality, been losing money, declining sales for five years. And we decided to really unite around improving quality. We thought that was a fundamental thing that we could connect on. Yeah. 
And I started listening across the organization and through just feedback and prioritization and using a very disciplined approach, Mm -hmm. we connected everyone to this focus on quality, but it was with behavior in mind that we were really going to collaborate effectively and we were specific about what what team behaviors we were going to expect from each other. We became, we really emphasized this discipline and organization. And then when it worked on the quality front, we said, well, what's the next phase? And we went at growth and we were able to turn around from a growth perspective. But, but then it became much more about taking those team behaviors to a whole nother level and, and really empowering people much deeper in the organization. So we started with this discipline and organization focus, but then it really shifted to, to much more an emphasis on empowerment and collaboration that was connected to growth. So this whole concept of what's your top problem or challenge, how is culture impacting it, and working to unite your organization around that. Is it my experience, because we're mainly talking here about organizational culture, right? Not per se about national cultural differences. That's correct. But a lot of what I learned was actually what went through in those 17 years being the leader in North America. And then I was given responsibility for Europe. Mm -hmm. So I was able to go through implementing similar techniques um, across Europe. And then we spread it to Asia and launched a greenfield facility in China. And people kept telling me, well, it's different here. And, and yes, it was different from a, a national cultural perspective, but from an organizational culture standpoint and what people really want to see, which is, you know, people are listening to me. My opinion matters. Mm-hmm. That, that's consistent across the world. You, you, what you said, there are differences when it comes to uh, if you want digesting these this organizational culture or the change there in. Which culture do you find having the most difficulty with that and what would be the easiest culture in your experience? Well, I, I don't know if there's a one that's more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. They each have their own respective challenges. For instance, in the U.S., it's much easier to bit, get people on board with teamwork and motivation type things. Um, but then the discipline and organization can be a, a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, but then when we took it to Europe and Germany, it was much harder to get people on board initially, yeah. but once they were on board, the discipline and organization was tremendously better. That's and then we went to, you know, we went to China, and it was just getting and channeling the uh-huh. the ideas and the motivation. And, and again, it was a bit more of a discipline and organization focus that that was able to have an impact there. So it's it's understanding the unique um, national cultural twists. And the management culture in different regions that makes an impact, but the fundamentals about culture development remain the same. Okay, uh, and I saw a video on your website, which is I need to pull that up again. Sorry about that. CultureUniversity.com. Um, you mentioned it earlier, where I saw an interview. You're you interviewing or an excerpt there there off of interviewing Edgar Schein. That's and correct. He, yeah. he talks about raising awareness. But again, how do you get people to, to listen to this story? Right. Well, he talks about uh, you know needing to tell more stories. Yeah. But I, I think we have to make a much bigger impact and band together these top experts like Edgar. We're, we're excited to announce a, a formal partnership with him in the next week or so when it comes to education, problem-solving, talent management and consulting and mm-hmm. and what we're going to do is we're going to go at this problem which we think is one of the top problems in the world which is getting CEOs mm-hmm. involved with understanding the subject of culture and 
evolving their their culture effectively. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have some sessions with CEOs directly about the realities of evolving your culture. We're going to have a session with non-CEOs on the subject of getting your CEO involved and what are techniques and approaches to effectively do that. I think as experts, we have to go at these problems Mm -hmm. and come up with solutions together that can then be used by many organizations. And and, and do you show examples from other companies or other other, companies in this case that have done this and have benefited from this? Yeah, I think that's the that was the idea behind Culture U was it's not just the experts, it's also being able to share examples, stories um, from those that have effectively evolved their culture, whether that be someone like, you know, Richard Sheridan from Menlo Innovations, which is a, a software company here, mm-hmm. or if it's Zappos or another organization. That you know, we need these stories and examples about how people have overcome these challenges effectively. Now, recently there was a, there was a publication, I think, uh, I think New York Times. I'm not 100 percent sure about the uh, organizational culture within Amazon, Amazon.com. And is is that because that's the bad side of it? Is that something you use as well, like it's, to show well, y- your clients or whatever the world? Like, if you don't do it, it's going to end up like this. Yeah, absolutely. So I I just wrote a post over the holidays on the top 10 culture crises uh-huh. across the world. So, of course, Amazon was in there, as was the, the Volkswagen crises, uh, you know, the World Soccer Organization, FIFA. I mean, these crises tell us a lot that the culture really matters, mm-hmm. that if you neglect it, if you neglect things like a national culture, an organizational culture, a sex, an ethnicity a, a, a religious organization that you do that at your own peril. Okay, then again, being devil's advocate, just not because it's fun, but I, I hear these <laughs> these comments coming back as well. Take the example of Volkswagen that you mentioned. Um, we're talking here about the uh, the fiddling with the, the the dirty diesels, if you want, uh, typically in the United States and probably elsewhere in the world as well. How how do you counter the remark? that this was only done by a couple of individuals and has nothing to do with the organization? Well, it's absolute garbage. It, I mean, it, really, <laughs> it really ticks me off. Yeah. That you, leaders need a big aha if they think things like this, you know, 11 million cars impacted, mm-hmm. right? Seriously, they, they're putting aside $7 billion to cover the potential losses from this. This does not happen by just a couple people and a big, powerful organization like Volkswagen, you know, doesn't ignore systems, controls, processes. The issue is that there was such a drive to be the number one automaker and to deliver results at all costs Mm -hmm. that that was more important as an expectation on the front lines than following the rules and the regulations. That's the reality. And that expectation that's at the deeper roots of culture. It's not just the behavior we see on the surface. It's what do people feel they are expected to do on a daily basis. And in this case, they were expected to deliver those results and bypass the regulations. And that was the under, underlying dra- uh, drive. And that comes from the underlying organizational culture. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. And the new CEO came in and immediately said, you know, we need to change our culture. But I don't know if they really understand what's involved with that. Because last year, 
My number one culture, I mean, the year before last, my number one culture crisis was General Motors mm. and their ignition switch recall. And they addressed that by firing 15 people and a number of other actions that really don't, in the end, change the culture. So is it then a lot of window dressing that the CEO uh, put forward? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if that doesn't change, the culture will not change. And then they shrug their shoulders, they look you in the eyes, and then they turn around and continue their business. Well, they, they hope they don't have a crisis. So, for instance, in the case of Amazon mm -hmm. and the, the brutal culture that's been you know, talked about there, yeah. you know, one of the employees wrote that, hey, you know, that's how giants fall, <laughs> that you ignore this at your own peril. And many get by mm -hmm. and go on to their next role, and they're fine. But there's always a wake in, uh, you know, when there's a, a severe negative culture that exists. Oh, okay, makes it makes good sense. I mean, I'm like I, I do play devil's advocate, but I'm very much on, on the same page as you're talking about. I, I would consider there would be like three categories of, of, of people or organizations in this case. One that actually say, yes, this matters. The, on the other side of the spectrum, there are the people that say, well, I'm, I'm going to do and hopefully, like you said, there won't be any crisis. And there might be the people on the fence. Um, I've, I've worked with organizations as well. I've done these organizational scans as well. And then finally, or eventually, when the out, outcome actually um, are being presented back, then organizations or the people within these organizations, the managers, they tend to pull back and say, well, this is too confronting. Uh, too much needs, needs to change. And how do you deal with that? How, well, do you stay, yeah. how do you keep these people involved once they've said, okay, this matters, but it's all too confronting, it's all too dirty inside? Yeah, you, you have to prepare them up front for the journey <laughs> that it's going to be messy, it will be dirty, that if you don't prepare them up front and they run into these obstacles and you haven't really you know, conditioned them for that, mm -hmm. then yes, you're, you're, you're done. Right. The idea is not to just get them started without really any understanding of what they're getting involved with. That mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm done with selling culture. Right. It, it sells itself when you have a dialogue about people's problems and challenges, and and what's getting in the way of effective work. Mm -hmm. Now, if if people don't want to change or look at evolving things, because you you have to constantly look at evolving your culture, mm -hmm. then. Really, I, I don't have time to get into it, right? Because there's other organizations that do care and do want to understand. Yeah, is there? Uh, an, can you men, can you name an organization that does it really well nowadays? Well, you know, one of the poster childs has been Amazon, and you know, I, I'm impressed. I mean, I mean, excuse me, uh, Zappos, not definitely okay. not Amazon. Yeah, you know, and what I'm impressed about them is they really go at the the goal of a positive customer experience and they look at how their culture is helping them in that regard and where there are challenges you know and that's what they're going at self-management and holacracy in a, in a certain way because they feel it will help them with their customer experience mm -hmm. but, but in the same light you know do they really understand the culture fundamentals mm -hmm. about the, the deeper side of culture and what's really involved and how you go about that well I think to a certain extent. So e even the poster childs of culture need to understand that they can learn more. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping they'll be at our next uh, Ultimate Culture Conference, actually, because they want to share and learn more. And, and anyone that does it well, sustainably, really wants to keep learning in this field. 
And and we we've been talking mainly about management teams and CEOs and stuff. Is there any way that if you're if you're not in a management position, if you're not the CEO, the decision maker, that you can change culture? Can you start a revolution from the bottom? Well, you can absolutely start a revolution from the bar- bottom, and it's important for people to think about subcultures, right? Because mm-hmm. cultures created in groups. So, yeah. in your department, in your location, in your region, whatever it might be, you can impact things, and you can apply the culture fundamentals because culture is built in groups. So, what is the top problem, challenge, or goal in your department, in your location? What culturally is helping you when it comes to? work on that goal and what's the one or two things that are really holding you back and if you really change that would it make a difference well if you feel you can influence that in a positive direction go for it if you feel what you do won't matter i would suggest you uh find another organization if you really care or don't complain about it yeah 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 it's it's i mean the choice in the end is yours right it really is and it's it's a personal choice and it's a tough choice. I mean, I'm not saying this is easy. Of course. I think that's where we get it wrong a lot of times is we'll bring all these solutions and say, hey, this is this is not bad. You, you can do this. But we forget to say, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the toughest thing <laughs> you've ever dealt with. And you know this going into it because we've all experienced the power of culture. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, we're, we're talking early 2016 when we're recording this, very early um, 2016, as a matter of fact. You think if the economy is, is doing better, that do companies pay more attention to these organizational culture that the remaking uh, of it, or is it more in tough times? Well, I, I mean, obviously the best deal with it in both times, even, even more so in tough times. And the reality is when the economy's a little better, Hey, people are willing to, to spend some money maybe on consultants or assessments or other things, and they at least try more things, mm-hmm. right? So that's why when times are good, sometimes we'll see a, see a spike in, in people looking at these types of things when it really needs to be when, when times are tough. I've had many you know, people in the financial sector, sector say, hey, you, know, you don't deal with culture in turnarounds and when things are in a crisis. And, and I think that's the exact time you deal with it. I, every organization I, I led as a top leader was part of a turnaround. I mean, that's exactly when you want to unite the organization to accomplish a major goal. Yeah, because then, then it's, it's in motion anyways. Well, and, and remember, it's this shared learning and mutual experience. So if you actually do accomplish a major goal, people learn from it, and then you say, hey, what worked, what didn't work on that, that quality priority, that growth priority? And now as we go at innovation, customer experience, what are we going to do differently? What, what, what are we going to translate that works? And what are we going to change to go at it again, but in a different way on the things that didn't work? Yeah. It, it sounds so simple in a way, and it's just so so. It's 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 baffling that organizations don't pay attention or not enough attention to this. I mean, in general, I guess. Well, we get spread out on so many different things, right? And and that's why all this misinformation about culture and the the ninety nine percent of culture consultants that don't know culture fundamentals mm-hmm. are doing more damage than good. Yeah. What are those culture fundamentals? Now you mentioned them. Well, um, number one, it's built through shared learning and mutual experience. So let's force shared learning by phasing our approach. Let's focus on a problem, challenge, or goal 
and how culture's impacting it versus trying to work directly on culture. Right. Let's make sure we're not just talking generically about values, but getting very specific about expected behaviors. Mm. Let's know the difference between climate and culture. Climate, all this teamwork, is the mission clear? But culture's these expectations, these these unwritten rules, these thoughts in our heads about should I check with my boss? Am I expected to never make a mistake? I mean, that's the deeper side of culture we're really trying to shift. Is there, um, can you say something about startups and, and culture? Does a startup have a culture right away or is that something that grows or should they pay attention to certain things right at the beginning? So um, Edgar Schein just wrote a post on constructiveculture.com about, so you want to create a culture, mm-hmm. right? So you only create a culture actually in a startup, right? And uh-huh. it's a reflection of the values of the founder or the leadership team at that point. And it's built into the processes and the approach that, that they take. So yes, culture is extremely important. And that's where it is important to define values, build it into your operating approach, you know, and all those types of things. But, but you know, the vast majority of organizations are dealing with shifting or evolving their culture. Yep. So you must go about it very differently. Hmm. Yeah, makes makes good sense. Is it easier um, to work with a startup or with a an existing, an older company, if you want? I don't think it's easier to work with either necessarily. Uh-huh. Um, it becomes easier when you think about the openness of the leader, especially the top leader, to learn, to be curious, to listen, to try some things. But that was, I was lucky that, that I came at this being a top leader with a boss that let me try some things yeah. and it worked. And if that boss never let me try some things, this would have never got off the ground. Yeah, makes good sense. I'm just trying to digest what you uh, what you said. What What is your, your pain and joy work doing this kind of work with different organizations? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say there's joy in seeing people's pain. <laughs> of but, course not, no. But but it, you, the problem is, you know, as consultants, um, we try and be doctors and experts. Yeah. And the reality is you need to experience this, yeah. the good and the bad. Yeah. And when people get frustrated and deal with challenges, I mean, I get my biggest joy is when they find that, figure out ways to overcome them as a team. Mm. Instead of, oh, let's just revert to our top down. It didn't work. You know, this is all about culture and that shared learning and mutual experience. So when it doesn't work, you go back to the same team you went at the first time and go at it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what really drives learning together, that if you want it culturally related, it needs needs to drive. Mm. Yeah, makes good sense. You earlier um, mentioned the, the human synergetics, right? Yeah, human synergistics. Genergist- I'm sorry, human, human synergistics. What is that all about? Okay, so we're the, the home of the most widely used workplace culture assessment in the world. Mm-hmm. I've been around for 40 years and have uh, over 15 locations across the world. So we have a number of products and tools regarding um, individual team and organizational development, ranging from culture assessments to team building simulations like Desert Survival is mm-hmm. one of the most widely used team building simulations mm-hmm. in the world. Yep. And we use these tools and resources to help organizations develop individuals, teams, and leaders effectively. Okay. And and is this, again, organizational culture or national culture? 
it is organizational culture, yeah. but we do we've done a lot of research on cultures across the world, and we have a model of uh, um, you know leaders across the world. We we tend to target these constructive expectations. We want to make and meet goals. We want to show care and concern for people, but the reality of what exists is there's a lot of aggressive and and very passive expectations that drive us in many organizations. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you find that um, when you talk to people within organizations that they don't often realize that that the core of why stuff is not working is their culture? And that's an educational issue. It, oh. it really is that. That people attribute it to just leadership or, or individuals, just, yeah, yeah, or individuals. Correct. When I mean, you feel it when you go interview with an organization. You immediately feel the culture, and you immediately start changing your behavior mm. based on your perceptions around that culture. So, you know, it's like the air we breathe. We we don't really realize how much it's affecting our decisions every day, even even our strategic decisions are driven by our, our cultural background and experiences. Yeah, fully agree. Um, Tim, if you can give us like three tips to become more culturally competent, what would they be? Well, number one is understand culture fundamentals from the top experts in the world, like Edgar Schein, Larry Sen, Rob Cook, and others. Um, second, from the start, commit to a personal and organizational learning journey. This is not a one-time effort. You know, it's driven through shared learning and mutual experience. And third, you've got to commit to a first phase that's connected to a top problem, challenge, or goal, right? And and how culture's impacting it and learn from that and continue to apply it. It doesn't matter if you're a consultant, a leader, when it comes to that next client, that next organization, that next problem, you need to feel like you're building as an individual and in your organization until you have the the grounding around culture fundamentals you won't get that feeling um, as strong as it could be okay it sounds i always find this i don't do enough of these interviews when it comes to organizational culture tends to be more around national cultural differences but it's definitely one of the more if not most important issues when it comes to to running um I guess a profitable organization. A profitable doesn't have to be money-wise. Just happy people is also profit, I would guess. Um, Tim, if, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that best? Well, they can uh, just reach me at, by email at uh, tim.coupler at humansynergistics.com or they can send a request through the uh, contact us on cultureuniversity.com or constructiveculture.com. Okay, all right. Those will be in the show notes that you can find back on uh, culturematters.com, another .com site there, all to do with uh, with culture. Tim, thank you very much for um, maybe not getting up early, but at least taking the time f- to talk to us about uh, your view and your take on the importance of organizational culture. I'm pretty sure we'll talk to each other in the future again. That's outstanding. Thank you, Chris, for uh, reaching out and setting this up. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Tim, again for the interview. Like I said before, I'm pretty sure we'll talk to each other in the future and we might even exchange some ideas on um, our mutual websites. Been a pleasure talking to you. Been a pleasure having you on the other side as a listener as well. And hopefully you'll be back in two weeks' time when there is another interview from Culture Matters. Take care. Till then. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. 
the Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. 